Grab your Bibles and open up to uh, the New Testament. We're going to be all over the place this morning as we continue with our sermon series. Actually, we conclude our sermon series uh, on the Holy Spirit. And we started week one way back May 1st, and um, it was cold on May 1st. Uh, you may remember we were wearing sweaters, and today you know, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt because uh, summer is here. So we spent a, a good month and a half diving in and really looking at the Holy Spirit. And early on, a lot of the messages were very strong on theology, a lot of theology. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but what we've tried to do the last couple weeks is continue to give you some theology, but to also begin to really look at what's this have to do with my life and your life today? What do we do with this theology? What do we do with this big idea of the Holy Spirit? So today, um, the message is the prodding of the Holy Spirit, the leading, the guiding. This is kind of the, I guess I would call it the capstone message in many ways. And I'm hoping that as you hear what I want to share with you this morning, and again, just to remind you, this is a sermon that was put together with help from five other ministers, that you will leave here today not having all the answers, that you'll leave here today not knowing everything you need to know, but you'll begin to really say, maybe that's how a change in my life can really help me as it comes to the Holy Spirit leading, the Holy Spirit guiding the Holy Spirit prodding. Now, I want to let you know about a change that we have made that you're going to see from here on out, and I'm hoping that you're going to take advantage of it. You'll notice that the sermon outline is now an insert in your bulletin, and you're going to notice that we have three whole punches here. It's a half sheet of paper. One of the things that my wonderful administrative assistant, Karen Rice, is working on is uh, securing some one-inch binders We're going to try to get our church logo on the front of them. We're going to invite you to purchase one for our cost. And from here on out, whether it's a Sunday morning message or Wednesday night families at first, when that kicks back in in the fall, or maybe even Bible school classes, we're going to invite Bible school classes to do this. We're hoping that you can begin to compile your notes from the messages and the lessons that you're a part of. And wouldn't it be really cool to be able to have six months of sermon notes or Wednesday night notes or Sunday morning Sunday school notes or if you're in a small group, small small group notes. So that's something that we're going to be bringing uh, at some point. So I just wanted to let you know a little bit about that change. Um, I I have several events that are happening in the life of the church. I'm not going to talk about any of them, just to throw them out there so you can see that that is what's happening with your church. And we're going to dive right in with a real quick review in case you haven't been to any of these messages up to this point. You can find out where we've been. Week one, the big idea, God desires to be present with those that he is in relationship with. Old Testament, the concept was the temple. New Testament, Jesus comes, and and God's presence is seen through His Son, His one and only Son, fully God, fully man. And then today, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We are the temple of God. We are the children of God. We too, God desires for you to experience new life through the Holy Spirit. And that was Mother's Day, and we talked about pregnancies and how a pregnancy changes everything, and specifically the virgin conception the virgin pregnancy, the virgin birth, how that changed everything and how you and I really benefit from that incredible miracle, that incredible gift from God. Week three, the big idea was the Holy Spirit is empowering you to make a difference. And that was kind of a case study in the book of Acts. And and the two jumping off points that we really challenged you with that morning was be bold, proclaim the good news of Christ, and build up the body. 
Use your God-given gifts to further the kingdom. Week four was our one-service Sunday, Memorial Day weekend. And the big idea was that if you are a Christ follower, live by the Spirit. And that was the day we looked at the fruit of the Spirit. And I brought all the fruit up on stage. And I need to just tell you a quick story about that. My wife said, you've got about $25 worth of fruit in your possession. I want you to bring it home. And do you know by the time I left, all I had was a cantaloupe? Because I just had a raid of, of teenagers after the service saying, can I have a strawberry? Can I have a banana? Can I have an apple? All I came home with was the cantaloupe, and if I would have had a knife, that probably wouldn't have happened. But the point is this, we're called to live by the Spirit. That's the big idea, live by the Spirit, uh, by embracing and embodying the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Last week, the big idea is that Christ's followers are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we looked at this test. I'm not going to read this, but if you want a copy of this, if you didn't get this for some reason, I challenge every Christ follower to take this test as it pertains to the filling of the Holy Spirit. And again, you can write me a note, or you can email me, or you can call the office, and I'll put that on the blog this week, and you'll be able to take that test and really do kind of a a self-assessment. Where are you at when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit? Okay, We're, uh, we're about to land. The conclusion is coming. Big idea, week six. The Holy Spirit is a presence who communicates with you, communicates with me. Right there, some of you are saying, I I just don't see that. I've not experienced that. When you read through the book of Acts, Many, many times you see this commentary. The disciples were gathered together. They might be fasting. They might be worshiping. They might be praying. And you see this little tag phrase, the Holy Spirit said. The Holy Spirit said. One place it says, we decided that this was the direction that we were going to go, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. And for some of us, we're saying, that's way outside of my world. That's way outside of my comfort zone. I don't get that. And so I asked you this morning as we begin this study, who is leading your life? Who is guiding your life? Do you have anyone that's prodding you in the decisions that you make in life? You know, athletes today are paid millions and millions of dollars, but very rarely is a professional team successful unless they have a very good structure of leadership from ownership to maybe a general manager or someone along those lines to a coach or a manager or someone. You know why? Because leadership cannot be understated. Guiding people along the way cannot be understated understated. I want to bring that to our life today and ask you the question, who is leading and guiding your life? These are three scriptures that I want to make reference to this morning in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 8 verse 14, we see those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Grab that phrase that's underlined, led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.18, that's the fruit of the Spirit passage. It says, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then in Acts Chapter 13, as the first missionary journey is being commissioned and Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. And the next thing you know, Gentile evangelism is exploding. 
And so with that in mind, let's dive in this morning and look at the different ways that the Holy Spirit can lead your life and my life. And as you do this, I want you, I've got a, a, a line underneath each of these eight points. I want you to jot down something maybe that I will say. Or maybe just as you hear this unfolding, you will think of something in your life, and I want you to jot it down. How can the Holy Spirit lead us, prod us, guide us? The first way that the Holy Spirit leads is through the Word of God. It's through the Word of God. Um, James McDonald is a preacher of a church in suburban Chicago. It's a very strong Bible church. And he has said in a message, actually a series of messages on the Holy Spirit, that he believes that this is the most important way that the Holy Spirit will lead or prod or guide you through the Word of God. Let me tell you what that looks like. This spring on Wednesday night, we spent time in families at first going through the Sermon on the Mount. Was anybody there as we studied Matthew chapter 5 or Matthew chapter 6? Many of you were there. Our last night together, we were studying the Lord's Prayer. Now, how many of you have heard the Lord's Prayer before? Just about everybody, right? We've all heard the Lord's Prayer. Do you know what comes right after the Lord's Prayer? In verse 13, you know what verse 14 begins with? Listen to this. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive men's sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Later that week, that was on the Wednesday night, I believe, of Easter week, two days later, I received an email from somebody, and they said, as we were studying that passage of Scripture, it was just kind of a throw-in at the end of the night, didn't even plan to get to that. They said, I believe God's Word was speaking to me, that I have to forgive. And they, they went through a big deal about who, who they needed to forgive, some baggage they were holding on to at that point in their life. That's the, the Word of God being used by the Holy Spirit to lead, to guide. It's real, it happens, it's important. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, we share this all the time on Sunday morning during the, the offering meditation time. Um, God loves, what kind, of gen, what kind of givers does God love? I, I give it away, generous givers, quick givers, cheerful givers. Um, it's very possible that as, read, as you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you could be called to give and to give with passion. What about this verse of Scripture right up here? Anybody know where this is found? If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's very possible that maybe you today, right here, you're holding on to something in your past where you've messed up, you've made a mistake, you've fallen short, and you can't forgive yourself. You can't let it go. If you allow, God's Word can be revealing to you right here because Paul says abundantly, anyone is in Christ, their new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The first way that the Holy Spirit can prod or lead is through the Word of God. Secondly, the Holy Spirit leads through the mind or through the conscience. Have you heard of Dr. Charles Stanley? Anyone heard that name before? Famous televangelist, uh, First Baptist Church, Atlanta. He said that he believes that's the primary way that the Holy Spirit has worked in his life is through the mind or through the conscience. Um, you have a conscience. Now, look at your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor you have a conscience. Go ahead. I know it's kind of cheesy, but go ahead. Do it right now, okay? We all have a conscience, right? Don't we? 
That's why when you leave here today and you're going on a trip and you go get that big bag of fast food and, and you get done with it, you don't just roll down the window and chuck it out the window. Why do you not do that? Now, some of you might say because it's a $500 fine for littering, right? But that's not the most important reason, is it? Why? Because you know what it looks like. I saw it this morning driving into church. Someone had done exactly that and littered on Route 54 was a couple styrofoam cups and some hamburger wrappers and a fry package and a bag. It just looks bad. And our conscience says, that's not good. We shouldn't do that. I believe the Holy Spirit works through our mind, works through our conscience. What's Romans chapter 12 teaches? Here's what Romans chapter 12 says, the first couple verses. Do not conform any longer to the ways of this world, but be what? What's that word? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so the Holy Spirit works through your mind, your conscience. That's why I can't ever pray enough this prayer from Scripture, from the book of Psalms. May the words of my mouth, some of you know this, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord my God. I can't pray that enough. The Holy Spirit works through the mind. Number three, the Holy Spirit leads through the power of prayer. Uh, this morning, as I was, I was up early and spent some time on the porch with a cup of coffee, nothing's better, by the way, than when it's about 60 degrees outside and you can sit on the porch and drink coffee and read God's Word. That's just, that's a perfect morning for me. And I was thumbing through the book of Acts and looking at the number of different times that the apostles, Peter and John and, and, and the others, were led by the Holy Spirit through the power of prayer over and over and over again. I, I brought a couple books with me today. One of these I stole from Kent. Sorry about that. I'll give it back to you afterwards. And this one I have. But it, it's uh, two books by Jim Cimbala. I don't know if you know that name or not. Jim Cimbala. The first is Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. The other is Fresh Faith. I have to confess to you, I don't, did not know a lot about this individual, but a couple weeks ago I went to the Moody Pastors Conference and he was one of the featured speakers and he is the founding pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church and his wife leads the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And I've known for quite some time that the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, it's a great church. They run like, I don't know, six, seven, eight thousand on a Sunday. They've done some incredible, incredible things. And you see a church like that, and a lot of times you just think, well, they've always been big. They're in New York City. They're in Brooklyn. They've always had a ton of people. He said that when he went there in 1972, they were a church that on a good Sunday, they ran 40 on a good Sunday. And he said they were kind of stuck in the mud, and he decided right then that a staple of their church, and it's still a staple today, was going to be their Tuesday evening prayer meetings. He said for the first several months, he said many a Tuesday evening he would show up, and there would be two people that were in attendance with him. And someone said, well, what did you do? He said, I went up to the podium, and I shared my devotion and we spent 50 minutes praying for our church and for Brooklyn and for New York City and that God would come in a great and mighty way. Two people. What, what would we do, by the way? What would I do, by the way, if next Sunday morning two people showed up at 8.15? What would we do? Think about that for just a moment. I hope I never have to find out. Um, 
Simbola believes without a doubt that in his situation and in many of the situations that, that he has been associated with, it is prayer that has made all the difference in the world. Just kind of a, not really a part of this sermon, but when he finished preaching that night, he said, um, anytime there's a pastor's conference, I know that there are pastors that are discouraged. There are pastors that are thinking about throwing in the towel and quitting. And he said, if that's you, I will be up front. I want to pray for you. There were 900 pastors in attendance. 125 pastors came forward. And he prayed, laid hands on each and every one of them. And his point is this. The Holy Spirit leads through the power of prayer. We're getting ready to unveil. Maybe you've read about it in the K. A renewed emphasis on prayer. Giving you opportunities at 1030 on Sunday morning and additional times to say, I want prayer to be a part of my contribution to the kingdom, my contribution to the church. The Holy Spirit leads through the power of prayer. Number four, the Holy Spirit leads through the church. The Holy Spirit leads through the church. Grab your Bible, turn to Acts 15 real quickly. Um, I'm going to try to do this as quick as I can. In Acts chapter 15, it's the end of the first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas went out, and they went all to, to Pisidian Antioch, and um, all kinds of different places, Iconium, and, and lots of people are coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're going to Gentiles. And they come home, and um, everyone's excited in the church of Antioch, the sending church, you know, two thumbs up, this is great. And then they find out that Paul and Barnabas, when they went out and they did this, this, um, this missionary journey, they preached Jesus. They said, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. But what they didn't do is they didn't say, before you can become a Christian, you first have to become a Jew. They didn't say to 35, 40, 45-year-old males, oh, guess what? Dr. John's down the street, and there's this little thing called circumcision that you're going to have to experience. They didn't do that. And when some of the people in the church found that out, that was just too much. They just couldn't handle it. And you see this huge issue boiling up within the church. And Paul and Barnabas are on one side. They're saying you don't have to do that. And many of the people at the church of Antioch are on the other side. And so they turn to probably the key lead first century church, the church at Jerusalem, and they have a council. And that's what Acts chapter 15 is. It's a council. And the, the, uh, the righteous Jews, the Judaizers, share their side of the story. Paul and Barnabas share their side of the story. And before long, Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem, led by James, half-brother of Jesus, they issue a ruling, and they say, we're with Paul and Barnabas. We think they are correct in this. And through the church, and through the, the ruling of the church in this situation, instead of having a split, instead of having a fracture as the church is just getting going, you see a second missionary journey, and then a third missionary journey. And before you know, the gospel is literally going all throughout the world. The, the Holy Spirit leads through the church. Many of you could share a testimony with us today about how this church ha has, um, has led you through the power of the Holy Spirit, whether it's through a benevolence ministry or a mission ministry or a youth ministry or a children's ministry or, or the choir ministry or a worship ministry. How the church through the power of the Holy Spirit, has led you, it's guided you when you most needed that. Number five, we're moving on. The Holy Spirit leads through preaching and teaching. 
Um, Some of you are probably saying, preacher, why was that not number one? Why didn't you have that at the top of the list? And the answer is because I believe that the Holy Spirit leads many more times through the Word of God than He does through preaching and teaching. But I believe without a doubt the Holy Spirit leads through preaching and teaching. Just a couple weeks ago, the Holy, the, uh, the Fruit of the Spirit sermon, three different individuals emailed me. And they had the same, that's when we were looking at um, the allegiance to the sinful nature or being committed to the Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Three different people emailed me and said, Greg, you must know what's going on. And then they shared an instance with their life or someone that they know. You must have known what was going on. And in each instance, I had no idea. That's the power of the Holy Spirit leading through the, the, the proclamation, preaching, or through teaching. Um, men's prayer breakfast, January 2010. I just shared about what was going on with, at the time, Bev Duff was leading this ministry. Now Barb Baker's leading this ministry, and it's the Monday and Thursday food pantry. And I had shared how we'd partnered with Midwest Food Bank and how we had many people from our church bringing in food and how month in, month out, I think at the time it was something like 250 different families were being touched one way or another. And I just said to the men, you should be excited about what God is doing through the benevolence ministry of First Christian Church. I didn't offer an invitation. I I didn't pass the plate in anything along those lines. I had an individual that was there come up to me afterwards, and he said, would you accept a donation? Well, duh, of course I'll accept a donation. $5,000 given to our benevolence ministry because of a devotion. Now, I didn't wake up that morning saying, it's guilt trip time. I'm going to try to get some money for the food pantry that day. That's the Holy Spirit moving through preaching and teaching. Moving on. Number six, the Holy Spirit leads through interaction with other Christians. You want another reason, one of the reasons I believe I'm the preaching minister at First Christian Church of Clinton? It goes way back to the fall of 2004 and the winter of 2005. I was doing an interim ministry for the church in Mawequa. What that means is I was driving from my home to Mawequa every Sunday, and I was preaching at 8.15, and I was preaching at 10.45. They were without a preacher at the time. They were kind of going through a little bit of a church crisis during that time. And it was during that time that two dozen different individuals, many who I had a relationship with from when I lived there, came up to me and seriously, significantly, and with passion encouraged me to consider being their preacher. And I, I just, it wasn't right. The time wasn't right. The location wasn't right. I was not the right person for that ministry at that time. And when I announced in June that I I wasn't going to do that, I wasn't even open to that, it wasn't going to happen, I figured I'd never hear from anybody again. Three of my former elders in writing or in personal communication came up and said, "Um, we don't really know what you're doing at Lincoln. We're sure it's God-honoring. We're sure it's kingdom-driven. We want to let you know we think you need to preach. We think you need to be a preaching minister. And it was at that time I decided my week wasn't going to happen that I started just praying that prayer. God, if it's meant to be, open a door. And a year later, I found myself standing here preaching. That's not a pat Greg on the back. That is a the Holy Spirit leads through other Christians. And that will happen in your life as well. Number seven, the Holy Spirit can lead through dreams and voices. Now, this is very biblical. Um, 
Think of Joseph, Jesus' father. Many times he was spoken to in a dream or a vision. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was spoken to by the angel Gabriel in a vision. Think about Peter in Acts chapter 10, where he gets the vision for Gentile evangelism. He's up on the roof, he's taking a nap, and he, he, he has the, uh, all the different animals are on the sheet. And the, the, the voice says, get up, kill, and eat. He says, I can't kill and eat these unclean foods, these unclean animals. I can't go down that road. And the vision said, don't call anything unclean that I have made. That's the beginning of Gentile evangelism right there, Acts chapter 10. Now, I have to tell you, that's never happened to me. I've never had a dream at night or a vision and woke up in the morning and said, okay, I'm supposed to be a missionary to uh, Sarasota, Florida, and packed up the U-Haul and headed south. That's not happened to me, okay? I'm supposed to be a, a missionary to Honolulu, Hawaii. That's not happened, okay? Why am I saying Florida and Hawaii instead of Michigan and Minnesota? I don't know. But um, that's not happened to me, but I believe that has happened to some people. And then the eighth way that I think the Holy Spirit can lead or guide or prod is through non-Christians. And I didn't have this on my original list, but one of the people in my study group said that his non-Christian father-in-law, he believes was used by the Holy Spirit to communicate to him. He'd went through Bible college, he'd went through seminary, he was in a small church south of Springfield. He said he was discouraged, he was beaten up. And he was ready to quit. He was ready to go sell cars or sell insurance or do anything that he could do. And they went home. They lived pretty far away. Parents were far away. They went home to her mom and dad and, and sat down and said, I'm getting out of ministry. I'm going to do something else. And he said his non-Christian father-in-law just started laughing at him. And he said the more he laughed, the madder I became. And he said he just kept laughing and he said, You've been to school for eight years, you've learned how to preach, you've learned how to pastor, and you're going to let a couple people move you into a, a totally different career? That's silly. I can't imagine God would want you to do that. And he believes without a doubt to this day that that was the Holy Spirit working through a non-Christian. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with all of this? Here, here's the observation that I want to make. The Holy Spirit works different ways in different people. And I want to issue a caution to you. I shared with you that James McDonald and Charles Stanley, you know, the two of them, one believes that the Holy Spirit works primarily through the Word of God. One believes the Holy Spirit works primarily through a conscience. If you're saying the Holy Spirit only speaks to me through non-Christians, I would say you have a problem. And I'm going to address that problem a little bit later. But let me show you why that could potentially be a danger. Does anybody know the name Harold Camping? Who was Harold Camping? Who is Harold Camping? Anybody know that name? May 21, right? The world's coming to an end, May 21. And he said that it was through revelation and through some decoding of some Old Testament scriptures that he came to that conclusion. Well, May 21 came. It was supposed to end at 5 o'clock Central Time. Ernie and I had just got done with our kids' practice for the musical, and we were in a big circle at 4.59, and I was asked to pray by Melanie, and I thought, you know, if the world does come to an end at 5 o'clock, this is really going to be cool because there's 70 of us holding hands. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I, I just, I shouldn't do this, but I do need to just show you this picture right here. This billboard went up in California the next day. 
that was awkward. And, and then the scripture, no one knows the day or the hour. But I would say to Harold Camping, if he would ask, that there are multiple references in scripture, including from Jesus Christ himself, that says no one knows the day or the hour. No one knows. How can you know? And so the bottom line this morning is this. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit prod you. And you're saying, so what? What do I do with this? Real quickly, as we conclude, three questions that I want you to consider as we talk about this guiding of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you need to answer for yourself, are you practicing a spiritually balanced life? You may say, what's that mean? I go to church every Sunday. When you do families at first, I'm there. I read my Bible every once in a while. Is that a spiritually balanced life? Probably not. Are you in the Word? Do you pray regularly? Do you pray daily? Do you pray multiple times every day? Do you have a prayer journal? Do you practice solitude? Now, for, for me, that's hard to do. I like to talk. I like to talk to other people. I'm a high eye on the disc scale, if you know what that is. I'm a people person. But there's times I need to tune everyone else out and practice solitude. Here's a huge question. How much of your time, your life, is Christ-centered? And how much is world-centered? Number two, question number two. Are you engaging in Christian fellowship opportunities? Are you making the most of the opportunities that are before you? Is Sunday worship a priority for your life? Is Wednesday night fellowship a priority for your life? Are you making the most of study opportunities with other believers? Are you actively serving the Lord? And then finally, number three, will you allow and even encourage the Holy Spirit to lead you? Will you pray that prayer? Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day and for your love and for the way that you bless us. And Father, as we wrap up our study in the Holy Spirit, it is my just incredible hope and prayer that this isn't just an academic exercise. This isn't just a study in theology, but this is real for our lives today. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, guide us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Again, as we come to this time...